Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jordana Levine and today's conversation is very much in theme with last weekend's new moon and Libra season which is all about balance, truth, beauty and justice. If you need to catch up on what's going on with Libra season, uh, I did a podcast episode last week and there is a podcast episode all about the new moon that we experienced last weekend. Today's guest encapsulates all all of Libra's traits. She's actually a Libra rising, so there's no surprises there. And the work that she's doing in the world is changing the modeling industry for the better. Chelsea Bonner was born into the Australian entertainment industry with a famous Aussie actor for a father and an Aussie supermodel for a mother. And it was no surprise that she paved a way for herself through the glitz and glamour of the entertainment industry. What was surprising is the way in which she did it. I actually loved having this conversation with Chelsea. If you're not familiar with Chelsea Bonner, she's the founder of Bella Models, an agency focused on health and changing the perception of size and beauty. She's worked passionately within the media and modeling industry for many years to redefine the boundaries of fashion model sizes. I actually had quite a lengthy career in publishing. I thought I knew a lot about the industry. There is so much I didn't know. There is a lot from this interview that honestly disgusted me. Um, (laughs) There was a lot of eye-opening and the work that Chelsea's doing really really is so, so important. Um, I, you'll hear about it throughout the interview, but um, she's really paving the way for this movement uh, with body positivity and ensuring that the the women and the men that she's representing are on board with this message. They, they very much need to be the message, which is so important, I think. I would love to hear your thoughts on this interview. It is a long one, but it's totally worth the listen. So if you do enjoy it, uh, please make sure you take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. Tag me at Jordana Levine and Chelsea at Chelsea Bonner. Um, If there's something in particular you loved about it, let us know in the story. I would love to hear it. Otherwise, you could leave a rating or review on the Apple Podcast app. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chelsea Bonner as much as I enjoyed having it. modeling agency focused on healthy body size and dedicated to changing our dangerously narrow perception of beauty um there is so much to unpick there just in that sentence (laughs) first of all a modeling agency focused on healthy body size what what does that even mean (laughs) oh no i know well look when i first started i 
everybody I knew uh, thought I was going to go out of business. Oh, really? <laughs> really fast. Well, you know, I mean, now they throw words around like disruptor and thought leader and all that sort of stuff. But you've got to remember, I started Bella 18 years ago. Mm. So back then I was just a pain in the ass. You know, yeah. there was no... Um, <laughs> There was no, um, you know, wow, she's thinking outside the box. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like, get back in the box, please. And, and um, you know, this is the way it's done. This is the way it's always been done. And, you know, don't give up our secrets. Don't lift the curtain. Ooh. You know, um, it was very, I was very ostracised from my own work community because I had been an agent since I was 16. I started okay. as a junior agent. Yeah. And I opened Bella when I was 28, and all of those years I spent working as an agent. And across models and hair and makeup artists, stylists, photographers, I did a lot of um, different types of agency work. But um, so, you know, my my uh, work friends, a lot of them had become friend friends, and and we went to all the parties and did all the, you know, everything that you do. And when I opened Bella, just it all stopped, just like. Really? It stopped, yes. Um, and that's how afraid people were of it. They, they were terrified of yeah. inclusion and terrified of change and terrified of, um, you know, just, just, well, but what do you mean? Like they mm. could, just couldn't get their heads around it. You know, yeah. what do you mean? I was listening to a, a interview yesterday, actually, on the ABC, and and it, it kind of reminded me a little bit, you know, different but similar. It's funny, like people will people choose to believe what they want to believe. They believe the science when it suits them. So they believe their doctor, you know, they believe the, the you know, if they've got cancer, they believe our scientists when they go in for treatment and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to the environment, yeah. people choose just not to believe the science. <laughs> And it was kind of like that. It was like, well, everybody should belong and everybody should be represented. And my industry was just like, I don't believe that. Yeah. I don't I don't believe that's true. I wanna <laughs> so. I wanna unpack this more because it fascinates me on so many different levels. But before before we unpack it, what was the impetus for you for starting Bella? Just so people have a bit of a background how it all kind of came about. Yeah, so I grew up in the industry. My mum was a top model um, and my dad is a very well-known Australian actor. Yeah. So I was just born into it. And um, I guess, you know, there's a lot there's a lot that, you know, goes into into living in that lifestyle and I, I wrote all about it in the book, so I won't go into that. But um, it's more... It was more when I hit my teenage years when my body change everyone expected that I would look like you know a version of my mum or my dad or something in between so you know the expectation was that I was going to be this you know another supermodel or you know something similar and um I had never really thought about it I just I was a skinny sporty kid I'd never thought twice about what I might look like when I grow up or anything like that and and you know I hit around that 14 15 mark and you know there's boobs just came out of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. booty and you know um and my mum wasn't shaped like that um she's she didn't have you know a a huge bust and she didn't have a a big booty or big hips or anything like that and um and we grew up in melbourne with her side of the family so most of her side of the family 
ha- took had her genetics, you know. So um, I was sort of surrounded by these tall, uh, slim, elegant-looking people, and I just I just went in a different way. Uh, my sisters often say, you know, they call me Cabbage Patch Kid because I just look like a, a Cabbage Patch Kid. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of true. And, um, you know, little nose, just completely different features. So, mm. um, and it was the first time I'd thought about, well, my body as a, you know, I, I had, we didn't have a great family life. We, we um, uh, well, we had, you know, moments of great, fun and stuff like that but my dad was an an alcoholic so you know it was a pretty tumultuous Mm. um childhood really and I wanted to get out of home and I was desperate to get out as soon as I possibly could um obviously I'd heard the stories about my dad starting in the theater when he was 14 and my mum had um left school and started modeling when she was 16 and I was about 14 and I I thought well dad was 14 and mum was 16 I'll give it a go Mm. and so I went in to see an agency a modeling agency in Melbourne and they said I was um to come back when my shape settled down (laughs) right and I had I did not know it's not funny I'm sorry but it's it's laughable yeah yeah no I laughed about it too (laughs) now at the time it wasn't funny no at the time it wasn't it wasn't even I wasn't even angry at the time I was too young to really um process all of that Mm. if someone said that to me now I would say a very different thing but Back then, um, you know, I was like, my shape, my shape, what does that mean? And I had worn one of my mum's outfits into the interview and I, you know, so I was thinking, well, my mum's one of the top models in Australia, Uh, I'm wearing her clothes, so the thought that I might be the wrong shape for modelling had not even occurred to me. So I was just a really curvy size, you know, 8 to 10. Oh, so small, but just with well, some shape to you. Just, just with shape, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I was like the original but blonde uh, Kardashian. Yeah. And uh, so, it, you know, and then I was like my shape, my shape, and then I realised I meant my weight, and then I, I thought, well, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I'd never thought about it before, you know. It was so mm. confusing. I'd never thought about dieting. I'd never thought about, never thought about anything. You know, I could walk around in my mum's clothes, uh, so I, I just hadn't – it had never occurred to me. And um, I think at 14, because I was so curvy, they could see that I was going to continue to yeah. be curvier. Um, and, you know, but you don't think like that when you're young. And um, so I tried every diet you could possibly think of. Uh, my my dreams for this, you know, life and this escape route and all of, all of that um, just completely shattered. Uh, and I thought, well, what do I do? I'm too shy to be an actor. Um, I I was never great on stage. I think the pressure when your dad's an actor, when when you've got a parent who's famous for something, yes. everyone expects that you're going to be really good at it. Yeah. Doesn't matter whether you're a plumber or a hairdresser or yeah. you know a, just a great mum or whatever. They just put you've got that pressure. Well, your mum was a great, so you're going to be awesome. So yeah. well, maybe I won't be. Maybe I will have postnatal depression and, you know, you can't. Yeah. Like, we just put so much pressure on people, don't we? Absolutely. So, and you had two famous parents. And I had two it was famous double trouble. parents. <laughs> and, and, you know, so I thought, well, I, I always was obsessed with the agents, you know, my mum's agents and, and um, 
my dad's agents and how they worked and what they did and everything around in the house revolved around getting the phone call at, you know, somewhere between 4 and 5.30 every day and who was the person with that power that, mm. that our whole lives revolved around, this yeah, phone call. Okay. And so that had always intrigued me, you know, well, if I, you know, if I could be anything really, um, and being a model's okay and being an actor's okay, but really I want to be the person who's making the phone call because to me they were God. You yeah. know, they, they were the people who rang in with, with that was our food, that was our mortgage, that mm. was our trip to Lake Yildon, that was our, you know, so um, that's re- pretty much all I knew about agents was that they were the bosses, you know, they were the ones that told you what to do, you know, since learned after 25-odd years of being an agent that that's not true. But oh. <laughs> Oh, well, that's how you, that's how you it learn. It sounded really good at the time. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and I was interested in anything creative, so makeup and, and all of this. So I did, you know, makeup courses, beauty therapy courses. I worked, my mum opened a um, department and modelling um, school when I was oh. 16 and she opened an agent, agency arm of it and I worked for her there. And um, then I left, um well, I was living out of home anyway then, but then I moved back down to Melbourne and I got a job with my mum's ex-agent who was like a god to me. Mm. And um, he, poor man, I just I just didn't let up. I just was so annoying. I can't even believe he took me on. But, um, <laughs> did, you start, did you start as like an I intern or something? Free. Yeah. yeah okay. there, there wasn't, like back then, there wasn't such things as interns you know this is a this is a whole new world this intern thing back then there, there wasn't interns so I would just turn up for free and you know what can I do how can I help I'll file those I'll fold those I'll take the rubbish out I'll what you know does anyone want a coffee and I just basically badgered that poor man until he had to give me a job and pay me <laughs> that's so good I love that <laughs> and so that's how it that's how it started um yeah and uh, like at what point were you like I'm going to do this differently I don't want to have a regular modeling agency we need we need change in the industry well it started you know I'd I'd resigned is the wrong word I I had um come to terms of fact with uh, that I was a, a big girl I didn't like it I didn't I didn't like that I was um, you know, I felt like I was just not representing my family or, and not living up to people's expectations just by walking into a room, mm. you know, um, because I was so different looking and um, to the rest of them. And my younger sister was a model and she was discovered early and she was modelling and um, she looked just like my mum. And yeah. so... Um, you know, people would say to her, I'll bring your sister Chelsea to this event and this event and I'm, you know, she couldn't get to more different looking people and you could see the shock on their faces and things like that. So, you know, I'd sort of put this like false bravado on, I guess, you know, it's all fine and it's okay and, you know, I'm good at what I do and I'm a nice person and I'm loyal and I'm, you know, I talk myself up in my head, it doesn't matter. Mm. You know, I have no control over my outer shell. You know, I've tried every diet that there is. I've tried. I've tried everything. There's nothing. There's there's just nothing I can do about it. Yeah, and this is um, who I am. This is who I am. Yeah. And um, you know, but there was still you know quite an element of shame involved. Just having you know, it's like someone putting on 
you know, putting you in a in a character suit or making you up to look like a completely different person to how you feel inside mm. and that's how you have to walk around every day. That's how I felt. So I hadn't assimilated the two, my body and my mind. I was keeping them separate. I was, I was just ignoring the body part. I was like, okay, well, I can't, that's something I can't even think about. So it's not like I went, oh, it's fine. I'll just accept it or it's me. Yeah. I wasn't, it, that wasn't how it was. It was, okay, my body's over there. can't do anything about that. All I can do is, is use my mind and that's my strength and my skill, you know. So, um, so that's sort of what I focused on. And then after working in the industry for, you know, quite a few years, I got to know the models really well and, and a lot of them became very close friends and once I realised what they were doing to themselves in order to maintain this standard sample size and the amount of drugs, the lack of eating, the amount of laxatives, the, the just absolute desperation to constantly monitor what they were eating and what they were, you know, fueling themselves with and you know, we'd all go out for a nice dinner and, and the models would all get up and go to the bathroom after dinner like oh, it was just gosh. normal to throw up, you know. Yeah. And it wasn't discussed. It was never discussed. We didn't have models ever come into the agency and say, I'm really struggling to maintain this um, weight. Sorry, that's my billy bear. No, that's but... okay. It's very cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's just barking at the builders. Um, yeah, so um, the more I saw the more I understood what it what it really meant mm -hmm. to try to be a, a really successful fashion model I thought oh god no 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 that you know I'm not interested in in that at all that yeah. type of life or it's a horrible way horrible to exist yeah. you know and um and it's terrifying. They give you constant terror. You know, if you if you put on one centimetre on your hip, that you will lose a job that you've been put on option for and someone else will get it and that will be the job that mm. launches their career. Yeah. And you missed it because, you know, you gave in the night before and ate a bowl of pasta. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it was that you know, it's it was that cutthroat and still is in many places, really? not at, not at Bella. Yeah. But, you know, many agencies are the same. You know, you have to get your measurements down. You have to get your measurements down. You have to get your measurements down. It wasn't – it just wasn't discussed in our industry. It just wasn't – models were afraid to say they were struggling because they didn't want the agents or the clients to think that they wouldn't be able to work or wouldn't be available for work or mm. or would have – you know, guilty feelings or shameful feelings about booking them for work because they didn't want to participate in an eating disorder culture. So the models themselves would keep it very quiet and, you know, but it would always, it would get to a stage where they couldn't maintain those kinds of eating plans, if for want of a better word, it's not even, you know, just lack of eating um, for any length of time. Some, some could could carry on like that for a few years before it oh. would take them out. Um, others would only be able to carry on for a couple of months before it would take them out. Um, you know, a lot of drugs were and are used um, to stop hunger pangs and um, also to keep energy up. So 
because when you're not eating, you have absolutely no energy. Oh, so the only way to have totally. energy. I can't yeah. even miss lunch, Chelsea. Oh, I know. Losing it's, energy. It, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have to get pulse energy from somewhere, yeah. don't you? So, and that's why they rely on on um, on certain drugs that give them yeah. um, energy, speed, and cocaine and uh, guarana, 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 oh, coke, coffee. Yeah. You know anything, Riddles. anything that's going to you know give them some alertness. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I just you know. Then my sister, my younger sister, who came back from America, came back with an eating disorder and there was just no arguing with her. You know, she was about 47 kilos. She had hair all over her body. She was seconds away from being put on a colostomy bag Um, and I don't know if anyone's ever watched someone starve to death. No. It is the most horrific, horrific thing to watch mm. and and I mean it's it's awful in countries where there's no food but it's it's particularly harrowing to watch somebody starve themselves to death when food is so readily available yeah, yeah. and it just you know that just broke my heart so it was all of those things it was all of those things combined yeah and then um I was modeling in America myself I was a curve model and I just thought I can't. I just can't do this anymore. There has to be a better way. Yes. See, there this, has, is, this yeah. is what I don't understand, especially with women's magazines and the industry. We know that women want to feel represented. Yes. We know that women want to see themselves on the pages of those magazines. Yes. So why is the industry and it's getting better and we'll talk about it. It is, but why, it is getting better. Why is why was or is the industry so resistant against it? You know, it's change at all people are resistant against, you know. Yeah. Um it, it you know, something like eighty-five percent of people just really, really hate change. Just, just really dislike it. Ten percent can get on board with it, and five percent are the change makers. Mm. You know, they're the ones who create the change. So, most of society will, you know, will be suspicious about. But that it's been done that way forever. So, why would we change it? And what happens if we change it? It's like Americans with Medicare. You know, as Australians, we sit here and we've always had Medicare and we're so lucky and we think, how can they be so afraid of something that is so beneficial for their whole country? Mm. But they've been so brainwashed that it's terrifying and they think the whole medical system is going to collapse that they they believe that. And that's exactly what happens with um, women and men who absorb media and advertising as truth, which is 85% of people. Mm. So we are brainwashed and not just, we're not talking about just our generation. We're talking about if this is a generational passing down of this brainwashing. Yeah. So from the beginning of mass marketing and advertising agencies in our grandparents' time through to our own mothers and now ourselves and our children, mm. this, this is... You know, we are constantly being told we're not good enough, we don't belong, you're not allowed to play with me unless you're a part of the cool gang and that's my product. 
Mm. you know and this is my look and my aesthetic and my this and my that and look the people who are I I have I'm not blaming anyone here because the the people who started this are long dead now who started all this fear mongering and and whatever so there's it's there's no one to just grab and blame yeah. that would have been back in the beginning but the thing is that you know we have to stop it now like it's gone way too far and we have the power to stop it too we have the power to stop it and yeah. you know i mean things like i wish we could just have a a, a global day where every single person who feels misrepresented by the media and advertising industries just sits down for an hour in their mm. workplace or you know something like that we just need we need a a really big statement about who we want to see represented and and how desperately we want to be included in the conversation included in in um you know the whatever there is no cool gang the cool gang i'm telling you i've hung with the cool gang for years i've spent most of my life <laughs> they're not the cool that gang. cool <laughs> they're not that cool they are just normal people yeah and you know they get home from, my mum would come home from shooting the magazine cover for cosmo magazine she'd take off all her makeup get rid of all her stuff that she had to wear for the day you know, put her old granny knickers and a T-shirt on with some sneakers and cook us eggs. Yeah, nice. That's, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that is real. That's what's really happening. And, so you know. in 2002 when you started Bella, who, who did you have to convince? Like who, was the, who were the hardest people to be like, let's, let's start representing healthy bodies? High street retailers and magazines, yeah. particularly particularly magazines. Okay, and you know, high end magazines are still uh, we we still butt heads with really? a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think, but yeah, there's. I mean, and I have much respect for you know people like Edwina who who run Vogue. Um, I've known them a long, long time through, you know, we've been in the industry about the same amount of time. I've seen her come up through the ranks as I have mm. and um, I have enormous respect for her. Um, but also I just wonder who the bean counters are who are yeah. looking at who who's actually buying their magazine because I'm telling you right now, 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds and 18-year-olds are not going out and spending 10 bucks no. on a magazine. It's just not happening. Uh-uh. It is, you know, women... Um, predominantly over 30 um, who are buying those high-end magazines and they're just never represented and we know every single statistic that's ever been come up with through the Australian Bureau of Statistics and globally say that 60% roughly 60% of us will be naturally will be somewhere between a size 10 and size 14 with more people being closer to a size 14 Mm. and 80% of us will be a size, you know, 14 to 16 and over. So I just, uh, you know, it it really fascinates me. But then when you look through, especially print mag, but online as well, look at the amount of diet ads there are. And, you know, the diet industry is worth something like $500 billion annually. And they take out a lot of advertising. They pay for a lot of advertising. Yeah. And one of the things I saw 
when we first started doing magazine shoots and first started doing editorials, which I was so excited about, obviously, it's fantastic. One of the things I hated was I always had to say, you know, it always had to be captioned on the plus side or, so, you know, something like that. Really? It always had to be, yeah. Couldn't just be like white linen is beautiful or whatever they no. had for everybody else. Yeah. You know, it, it was always, you know, plus advantage or plus this or plus, or, you know, curves ahead or I'm like, yeah. just, why does you, oh, just, you don't even have to say anything. Yeah, you know? it's almost just, like a token thing, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Just, just call it whatever it is, Absolutely. sunshine, happy days, whatever you, whatever the editorial is called, just like everybody else's editorial yeah. and um, let people make up their own mind about whether they think that model is curvy or not or plus size or not. Absolutely. That's not, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. It's just, just let people see women of different shapes and sizes and colours yeah. without tagging them. Oh God! Imagine, imagine if you started tagging every ethnicity that was featured in the magazine. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there would be absolute outrage. But for some reason, size is is not considered that is not considered in the same way. The 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 segregation and the abuse and the and the you know the thing that you know people feel free in public to come up to you and, and say things like, you know, you'd be really beautiful if you lost a few kilos or. Oh, you know, don't, um, I don't think you should eat that muffin. You know, total strangers. Yeah. And this has happened to me personally. So, you know, it, it is not the same. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but certainly anybody, any curved woman who's, you know, um, sort of over a size 12, 14, 16 will not, will, will have had complete strangers make comments on their weight mm. and, you know, what they should do about it. It's, mm. it's, it's crazy. It's so and crazy. so. Yeah, so these editorials would come out and I'd be all excited and I'd be so grateful and thankful and, you know, that and I am. Um, but on the very next page would be an ad for a diet product. Oh, God. Yeah, and all the, the next three pages would yeah. be, a, you know, a gym thing, a weight loss tablet and a diet plan. And, you know, and so it was kind of for a long time, it was, you know, one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back, you know, and that's sort of how the whole the business has been right from the beginning. You know, we get a little bit ahead, then we get knocked on our ass again, then we mm. have to get back up and we have to go ahead again and then we, you know, we need to find really good partners in this change. And yeah. I, I, I did with Mia Friedman, as a lot of people probably mm. know. She's been an enormous supporter of mine from the beginning um, as the editor of Cosmo, she made a pledge to ha include all size um, women in every issue of Cosmo magazine, and she absolutely did that. And I can't even tell you how much that meant to my business, but also just women in Australia in yeah. general. Um, and, you know, and other people. Then Julie Russell from Australian Women's Weekly rang and she said, We're going to make sure that at least three of the 12 editorials every year. Will feature curve or plus size models, which you know was a big thing back then. It might not sound like much, but back then it was, oh, huge. It was huge. Yeah, so I, um, you know, it was so. And again, not funny, ha ha funny, but just funny, strange, funny. Looking through your book and seeing some of the campaigns that you used to do, and yes, and the dagginess, for lack of oh. a better word. God, of, it's awful, isn't it? Yes, oh, of some yeah. of the, like catalog shoots that you do for plus size. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. And that's and, all that was available, right? 
that's that's all well it wasn't all that was available it was it was the way it was styled you know yeah. and it was <laughs> you know and the point of, of it all seemed to be to not show any part of a plus size or curved woman's body at yeah, all yeah, yeah you yeah. know just um cover her from you know neck to <laughs> toe yeah. yeah and um make everything as blousy and 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 whatever as possible you weren't allowed to show any shape or they, they didn't pin anything to show you curves or everything was supposed to sit out you know don't touch it it's got to all hang off your body like you don't have a body yeah. so you know, it was, yeah, and it was just so crazy because I think I wrote in the book too, you would have read that, you know, I'd go in and, and the hair and makeup artists would, Oh, make you, you know, look like, old. Make, you know, I'd go in looking <laughs> like a 22-year-old, you know, and I would have patched together some outfit from, you know, God, hunting through all sorts of places to try and wear something that I liked, you know, because you couldn't just go to one shop. Mm. Um, it was really hard to, you know, dress yourself with any with any self-expression. And, um, and then I'd get made up. You know, the brief would be to make me up to look as old as possible. That was that was their brief, not their own choice. And and then they'd put me in the outfit in there and make a partisan stylist would look at me and go, You've looked a million times better yeah, before we even touched just in your own clothes. <laughs> you looked so much better when you just walked Aww. in and we've just spent an hour making you look awful basically so yeah. they didn't feel good about it either no you know and nobody wanted to work on plus size campaigns because that that was the problem it yeah. wasn't nice it wasn't beautiful it wasn't well let's get our best photographer and our best hair and makeup artist and give them free range to create these amazing you know images and and it, it wasn't like that they'd hire all the best people and then tell them to make us look as old and as awful as they possibly could so you couldn't even get the great hair and makeup artists or photographers after a while mm. or they wouldn't even put their name on it. Yeah, interesting. You know, because it, their brief was to do everything that was against and that was my main point. My main point when I opened Bella was all you have to do, everyone's so terrified of shooting curvy models, all you have to do is shoot them and dress them like everybody else. That's it. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. And, well, I mean, the, yeah. in, the industry is changing now. Like, yes. I've, I mean, as someone who's completely outside of the industry, just as a consumer of magazines, yeah. um, you know, I've noticed it changing. I've noticed it changing within fashion retailers. Yes, what, it's great, what, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is great. So what kind of changes have you seen and how has that impacted your girls at Bella? Um, well, you know, it's... We've seen some massive, massive changes. We've still got, obviously, a long way to go. Mm. Just our industry, our, the curve side of the whole industry, is still, still only um, books about three percent of of the hundred percent of work. So ninety seven, oh. yeah. So ninety seven percent is still going oh to. I know, I know. So we have come a long way, but there's a lot, long, long, way, to long way to go. <laughs> but you know, the, the great thing for me over the last five years has been working with our high street retailers like, you know, Sports Girl and um, Jeans West and Suzanne Gray and, um, you know, Trenary and all of those guys. And um, they have been so much more inclusive, not just of size, but, you know, as over the years, Bella became a much broader church. So now we represent 
we basically we, we started representing everybody that no other agency would represent. So size diversity, gender, gender diversity, age diversity, um, ethnic diversity, ability diversity. Wow. So pretty much everything that nobody else wanted to do. Yeah, um, like, come to Bella. <laughs> I was like, come to me. I will, I will be your mama, you know, yeah. and protect you and, you know, help me, help me make this change because I need people who are willing to put themselves out there and be the the game changers. I need mm. people who are willing to be photographed and willing to put themselves out there in order to create the change and, and so I've amassed, I've amassed like I call them my army of body image warriors and they're male and female and like I said every colour and and every ra- every racial background every um, age every every everything and they just are so vocal on their own social medias and and their own in their own interviews they're really 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 championing. Uh, you know with with me so it's so good because I was alone for so long yeah you've got an army working with you yes yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly so I'm really proud of that it's um one of the things I'm most proud of is that I've I feel like I've helped to create this incredible community of of like-minded people Mm. and and um you know I feel like now you know I know it sounds ridiculous, but I used to think that if something happened to me, who would continue my work? Who would keep going? Who who would be, you know, because um, you have to kind of have balls of steel for this, right? Or as yeah. Betty White would say, vagina of steel. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you do um, because you have to have no ego. You have to be able to just keep going back and asking again and again and again and again. Mm. And you can't get angry and you can't get frustrated and you can't call people names and you can't throw chairs out of windows. You can't do any of those things. And this is you as the agent, right? As an agent, yeah. Yeah. What about what about the models? And I, th- I think about this all the time. I had a brief stint at acting in my youth. Oh, and yeah. it was rejection after rejection after rejection at every casting. And mm-hmm. I just I just didn't have a tough enough skin for it. Yes. Um, my skin's a lot tougher now. But what, what do you – like, is there some sort of education with the girls and the men, I guess, that you represent? around that rejection or is it just something that they just have to go through as being part of the industry oh well it's 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 two phase right or three phase it's it's sort of when they come in to meet us we gauge them we talk to them about it you know um we talk to them about the ins and outs of the industry and you know that you may go to 20 castings and everyone will say you're too tall you do this you do that you do whatever to it and then you'll land that client who absolutely loves you and then because you've got that client you get another client you know but that's that's the nature of the industry you can mm-hmm. always be too wrong in some way for someone but then for other clients you're going to be perfect so you can't you know you need to not not take that on board it's not personal, personal. Yeah. and and we kind of can gauge their reactions in interviews and just how they are as people and if we feel like they're um struggling at any in any way with their self-esteem um or their body image or anything like that we're very careful about whether we sign them in the first place because you know we certainly don't want to trigger anybody um into a mental health issue Mm. and um or damage their physical health uh so it starts right from the beginning and then obviously as they go along they'll go to the first 18 months of, of modelling is is rough because you've got to get all your test shoots done, everything costs a fortune, you're doing a whole heap of um, free test shoots for shots. So um, 
you know, you, you are investing in your portfolio basically. Mm. And as you're doing that, we're getting shots out to clients. What it's, it takes about, about the 18-month mark and I've read articles from all over the world and every single agent in the whole world says 18 months. And yeah, interesting. It's like, yeah, that's what it is because it takes that long to sort of develop you, you know. It's just like starting any job really. You know, you have to learn the ropes. If you work in retail, you have to, you know, stock take five times before you know where every single thing on the floor is. It's it's the same thing with modelling. You need to know your angles. You need to, you know, it's a skill that you can't teach someone to be photogenic, but you people can be naturally photogenic, but they still have to learn how to work a camera. Mm. You know, you have to be able to stand in front of a camera and just move without any direction you know like, right get up there make that outfit look good off you go it's like a silent dance routine almost you know and so it and it takes a while you have to do a lot of um shoots for free and pay for shoots in order to learn how to move what your best angles are all of that and so we try to prep people as much as we possibly can for that stage you know but then Everything that you ever say to anybody is filtered through the lens of what they've seen and felt and experienced themselves in their lives. And some people listen to you intently and they get it. And other people just think, well, that'll never happen to me. I'm going to be famous next week. And you can't, if someone thinks like that, they're going to have a really hard time. Absolutely. So does personality come into it as well when you're choosing someone for your books? Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say it's 50-50 for us. Um, like I said, we're more, I mean, we're, we're more, way more human than most agencies. So we don't, when people walk in, we don't go, oh, she's going to make us a lot of money. We don't care if she's awful or he's awful. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, uh, we, she's a real diva, but yeah, she's, <laughs> she'll she's earn a diva, but she's going to make, we don't, you know, uh, my values are that. Um, I'm not wasting my time on an awful human being to make them fame or money. Um, that is not what I've been put here to do. I am trying to highlight people who have something to contribute to the world, um, you know, in some sensible way, or at least will be grateful and humble that they are lucky enough to be in this industry that so many people want to be a part of and just for whatever reason, they just weren't born photogenic. And so they have to earn 25 bucks an hour at a shop down the road while you as a model get to earn $500 an hour or $200 an hour, um, you know, doing something that is, is you know, it's it's quite a, a lovely job to have. You know, it can be tough and, and all of, it's a lot of hours on you. Anyone who's gone shopping, right, people say, oh, models. Anyone who has gone shopping for a good pair of jeans or a swimsuit oh, and you, you get to that shopping centre and you go to every goddamn shopping, you're there all day and you're in and out of your clothes and you just want to, by the end of the day, you want to kill yourself. Yeah. That's basically what a day in the life of a model is. It sounds horrible. That's Chelsea. all they do is just change <laughs> clothes all day. So, well, it's horrible for those of us who don't like shopping, but, yeah. you know, obviously a lot of models are attracted to the industry because they yeah. love changing clothes and Absolutely. they, you know, but it's still tiring. It doesn't matter how much mm. you love love it. It's still tiring. And all the, you know, jet lag and the flights and the early mornings and the, it's not as easy as what everybody thinks, but still, it's still an opportunity that so many people would want to have 
And, yeah, so I, I don't like to work with people who think that, you know, by they've been touched by some magical god who who has made them deserving of all of the things in life. Everybody is deserving of the same amount of things, in my opinion. Mm. And if you are lucky enough to be born photogenic, then you should be just so grateful if you can make a career out of it then you are one of the lucky ones. Absolutely. You know? As someone who is not photogenic at all. <laughs> I don't know. I've I seen think, you on video. Oh, I, think I don't you think so. <laughs> I think that people that have it, have it. It's very hard. It's very yeah, you can't hard. Teach it. No. And to feel comfortable in front of the camera too. Like I know you said it takes time, but I think some people just have that kind of natural ability. Some people do and some people just don't either. I've signed some absolutely beautiful, beautiful people over the years. Um, who just, you know, they just are so uncomfortable and self-conscious yeah. And sometimes in front it of doesn't the camera. translate, does it? Like it beauty in real life? Mm. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you know, we, we're pretty good at picking who, you know, I mean, that's one of the things about being an agent. It's a bit like being an art critic or, or anything like that. You, you have an eye for it and you can pretty much pick who's photogenic and who's not on, at first glance. So then it's about how we bring that out and how we get them to engage with the camera. But some people are incredibly photogenic and you look at their photos and they're so engaged, and but they hate it. They can't yeah. stand it. You know, yeah. they're just, it's an awkward thing for them and, and they don't want to do it. And, and we just say, bless you, off you go. It's not for you, you know, yeah. because if you're starting off feeling like that and then you add all the pressures of the industry on top of that, then it's never going to be a good outcome. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So what are, the, what are the guidelines with you call them curve models, don't you, rather than plus size? Well, I don't like to use any terms, but, you know, for the purposes of interviews and things, it's very difficult to explain what I do without without using it. So I just, yeah, you okay. know, I just say 10 plus. So model, models over a size 10 normally. Um, and is, so that's the guideline for the, the difference, I guess? Yes. So, yeah. The, yeah, so mainstream boards and agencies um, work from a size you know, well, they work up to maximum size 10. And I don't mean a curvy size 10. I mean no. a small 10. Yeah. And then we start at a size 10. Well, we don't anymore. We started at, at we started, I think our smallest girl's about a size six, but she's also about four foot. So, you know, <laughs> she's, she's a right. Yeah. yeah, it's all relative. So, um, yeah, we, we have, we are completely um, no boundaries. We have no boundaries at our agency okay. at all. So, yeah, but when I first started, we were, I started off where everybody else left off, which was at a full size 10, up to whatever size we thought was, you know, healthy for that particular Mm. human being. So, yeah, I've got models who are a size 20, but they're also six foot tall, you know. So, it's... Because there, there is, I mean, there are some cr- stupid, crazy people out there who say that, you know, curve size models promote an unhealthy body image. Oh, God, which I get is that all just, the time. Yeah, I'm and sure I've had that do. since I started, yeah. you know. Um, I promote obesity and I promote this and I promote, well, you know, I'm a size 14 to 6 and I can tell you I am not obese. Um, you know, I'm probably fit, and my models are probably fitter than than most of these critics. Yes. And you know, I've invited several of the loudest ones. Um, I've gone back, you know, in media and said, "Well, 
look, Dr. So-and-so, how about we go to a current affair or today, tonight, and we meet down at fitness first and I'll bring along, <laughs> you know, some of my size 16 plus models yeah. and we'll do a workout together and they can film it and do a wellness check at the end and check everyone's, you know, blood pressure and all of that. Yeah. And, um, and then you can prove your point. Prove me wrong. And I bet none of them have taken you up on that. No one. No (laughs) one has ever taken me up on that. And that offer is still out there. Anyone who wants to go work out with my team, they can go work out with them anytime, but they better watch out because, you know, those girls are, are fit. But it's not even about that. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a top athlete or not. You should be allowed to be who you are in the world. That's the oh, whole point, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. And I mean, from what you've said, what who the who the people who the critics should be concerned about are the size zero models that are walking the catwalk. That's exactly right. They yeah. should be looking really hard at at the mainstream industry, not yeah. at my side of the industry. Yeah, exactly. You know, where people get to eat a normal meal with their family at night yeah. and, you know, don't live in constant terror that leads to, you know, clinical depression and worse, suicides and all sorts of things mm. that have happened in our industry. Yeah. Um, you know, they need to be focused over there, but instead they're, you know, trying to focus on my little bit of the world. But, you know, I don't, I just, it, you, you just learn to have a Teflon um, coating. You know, I just spray it on in the morning before I walk out the door and I wash it off when I get home at night. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm going to try doing that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you a perhaps really ignorant question? Go for but it. talk to me about male models. There doesn't really yeah. seem to be like a representation of plus size, I'm using inverted commas, male models out there. Do we not need that? Is that not something... No, no, we definitely need it, and okay. we do. We we do have, um, you know, the industry term is XL or mm. um, brawn models, mm. um, and we do represent men who are size XL, XXL, XXXL. Um, we've got them on our talent board, um, and but it is a newer side of the industry. Um, retailers are catching up, and more and more. Um, brands for you know um, men who are XL plus are coming out okay. um, every day, and it's more and more included. David Jones has ranges now. We do work for Johnny Biggs. We do work for Profile Men's. We do lots of different lows, and all, you know all of that sort of stuff. I'd love to see the higher end. Obviously, the same with women. Um, the great suiting companies and and those mm. guys get on board. Um, but yeah, we can only put on our books as many male models as the the industry is demanding. So yeah. it's kind of hard because we we're trying to create the demand uh, and educate clients at the same time as we are, you know, trying to provide them with models and opportunities. So it's it's kind of a you know it, we've got to attack on a few fronts to get these things across the line yeah. but it's getting better and it, and so it should because it's um, you know men men have exactly the same body image issues as women do they just digest it differently okay. and they're just taught so early on not to be not to whinge not to you know man up you know that to you know so it's very hard to get men to talk very very difficult to get men to talk about these these issues and you know i i'm always on it trolling trying to find people who are you know men who are willing to talk and studies and um 
things to back up, you know, my claims, but it is right at the sort of beginning point, I guess. Um, in America, it's a lot better because there's a lot more people there. A bigger market too, much I Much bigger, yeah. much bigger market. And the UK, obviously, much bigger market. So, um, but the thing is, you know, Australian retail is really struggling. We've got shops closing all over the place. Mm. We've got big, big department stores having to, you know, let go of half their spaces and become much smaller and close 50 stores down and all of this sort of stuff. And, you know, my whole thing is... Well, you're having to do that because Australian people are going offshore to purchase things in their in their size yeah. that they can easily find on the internet now. But if you provided those items in your store, you wouldn't have to be closing stores. Right. You know, it, it, it just, I just, you know, I don't understand how, how I feel like I'm the only one looking at the statistics. I know, it must be very frustrating. Oh, I can you know, it is sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, I have to say, I've, you know, I've got some excellent clients who are right with me. They yeah. completely get it. Um, and a lot of the times I find that the, you know, marketing and um, and advertising people in the company understand completely what I'm saying. But when it, get, it gets up to a higher level, the CEOs and the people who have to sign off on it, they are still so old school and they don't get it. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? You know, what are you talking about? And so it's it's like this um, upper middle management and then the final sign off, that's where everything just goes wrong. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. I, I get a lot of people who want to partner with me and they get excited about what I'm talking about and they understand the numbers and they, they, they're like, oh, my God, that's, you know, that's huge, 80%. We're not even marketing to. That's massive. We need to do something about this. And then they go upstairs and say, hey, I just had this great conversation, blah, 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 blah. And the CEO goes, what? No. You know? Yeah, nah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just <laughs> looking at numbers and figures, aren't they? I yeah, mean, of, of money, finances. Yeah, and yeah. It's, but it's, it's like business. they just don't – well, it's not even that. They're not looking at the numbers and the figures. That's the point. They're like, well, but this is the way it's always been done and we're, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, except that you, you, you are marketing to less than 1% of the population. Mm. What do you think about um, social media? How has it changed the way you guys work now? Because it must have had quite a big impact from the perspective of models being able to represent themselves in a way? Is that a Yeah, thing? it's, I mean, it's been, um, you know, uh, look, it's like any, any technology. There's good and evil in everything, isn't mm. there? It, it, you know, it can be used for such good purposes and then um, it, but the, the, the sheer volume of images that we see every day and when you think about the percentage, so, you know, 97% is still mainstream-driven, old, fear-mongering media and 3% is, is really positive. And so, and it's, you know, it's the same across social media. So unless you are actively seeking people who are working in this space and adding them, the more you, the more you add, the more you'll find come up in your feed. And you need to get on there and just delete and unfollow mm. any anything that makes you feel like shit you've just got to completely get off all of that stuff don't even look at it and um you know if you fill your social media feeds up with people who are doing amazing things achieving amazing things are really honest and raw and and beautiful messy humanity and just you know so open 
that you will just you're going to feel like a completely different human being at the end of each day just mm. completely different just don't absorb any of that nonsense it's just awful at brainwashing it is and it takes it takes years to pick that stuff out of your brain you, i mean even i i've done so much work of on myself and you know for the business and for myself personally around this space and around you know all sorts of things and cbt and and you know God, i've done it i've done so many different things but even i still find little pockets in my mind that i'll stumble across one day when i'm thinking about something or talking about something and i go oh my god that's not even what i think well how did that still how did i miss that spot oh, and then yeah. you find a little cluster you know yeah. and you're like oh my god it's still in there and you you know you, you have to unravel it again and use all those skills you know is, is that my thought or is that somebody else's implanted into my brain? And that's what you have to ask yourself all the time. Do I really think that? Or is that something that I was taught to believe? You yeah, know, or that I've compared on or, or social that media just, that morning. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. that I've just absorbed unknowingly. You know, yeah. it's unmittingly skipped through my my awareness and now it's stuck in, in there and it's not actually even something I believe to be true. What about, what yeah. about um, the individual models raising their profiles on there? Because I have to say that I've got a few um, curve models that I follow on there because they make me feel really positive about myself. Good. Um, yeah, and it's, it's a really nice way for them to be showcased whether they're booking jobs or not, really. Um, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I have no problem from that as- aspect of it. Um, the only thing that I worry about um, when they make their profiles public um, is that there's no, you know, as agents we can filter out a lot of negativity and we, we just don't need to tell the models if, if people are being horrible or, yeah. or, you know. But, you know, with Instagram and those sorts of things, I can't, I can't stop them from hearing those things and I can't stop them from reading those things and that, that kind of just upsets me but that's just my... But, you know, that's my protective. It's your mama bear in me. Yeah, it is. It's the mama bear in me, you know, and I don't want anyone to ever hear anything awful like that about themselves. And it can send, you know, I've had a couple of models over the years who have gone into complete spirals after being trolled on social media mm. and talking people back down off that. And, and oh, it's tough. you know, it's, so it is, tough. it's really tough. Yeah. And so that's that's my fear about mm. social media you know i i don't have um a problem so much with um models you know doing doing them you know you do you i've got no issue with anybody doing doing themselves but i just don't like the the yucky undertones mm. of you know some of them and you know but look most of them are good at they, they've learnt, you know that if they're going to put themselves out there, they've got to, you know, haters going to hate, right? Yeah, take you, the good you know. with the bad. Yeah, so if that's if you want to live a public life, then 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 that is what happens. Well, so, yeah, it's part of it, isn't it? It's like it that is. tough skin we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, Chelsea, to finish up. Oh, sorry, Chelsea, give you a nice no, name already. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea. I'm not very um, corporate, you know, because I've been in the entertainment industry my whole life. So, yeah, uh, yeah I sign off. I sign off emails with like kisses and cheers, Chels and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I know. do it too. You've got to be careful uh, yeah. sometimes though. But no, that's good. I can call you Chels. Yeah, I wanted absolutely. to ask you, what does beauty mean to you? Beauty is health. Mm. Mental, emotional, physical health. 
that is what beauty is. Yeah. You, know, you you can't buy laser cut trim diet away or yourself into better emotional and physical health mm. you know that's that stuff comes from within it comes from connecting with your body connecting with who you really are really accepting who you are in the world and really accepting everybody else as well you know and that's one of the easiest ways to start accepting yourself I think is to just look at people in the street wandering around try and find something a nice thing to compliment every single person mm. that you meet on look deeper look closer and it helps you look closer into who you are as well and, you know, life is there. You know, I don't advocate anyone being unhealthy. I don't care about their size. Size is irrelevant. If your weight is stopping you from enjoying your life in some way or stopping you from doing or fulfilling your dreams, then you need to do something about it, whether that's gain weight, lose weight, whatever it is. Mm. If you're living a happy and fulfilled life, whatever size you are, then you do you. You Absolutely. go for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I just want to let everybody know about your book, Body Image Warrior. It's been it's been out what for a few months now? A year? It's been out. Yeah. No, it came out on. Um, it, it was just ridiculous. Uh, so I found out about a week before it launched that I had nine tumors in my womb. What? Yes. So the book launch and they had to, it was so urgent, um, the surgery, that they didn't even do a biopsy or anything. They, were, they just said, we ha- you have to go straight in and get your womb taken out. And, you know, I was going to have kids, but that's a whole other story. So that was, oh you know, it was goodness. all a bit of a shock. And my book was released at exactly the same time. So <laughs> in March, this was February, March. So... I didn't get a chance to, you know, do as much um, stuff about the book as I would have liked to do a lot more. I tried to get to as much, you know, as many interviews as I could with yeah. all the stitches and the bandages and everything. And, oh, my but goodness. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was a bit hectic. So it's been a bit of a slow burn. But, you know, I didn't write it to be a bestseller. I wrote it with the idea that I just hope it just changes one person's life and if it does that then it's it, it's worth doing absolutely and I've it's, had it's a great so, read it's um thank you yeah thank yeah you. so it's part memoir part memoir part positive body image manifesto and it is yeah. but there's so many little insights into the industry I mean I know you told us a little bit about them today but um mm. I found it fascinating and also your upbringing as well I think a lot of people take the famous upbringing for granted not really yeah. understanding what's happening behind the scenes well I kind of I couldn't I couldn't it started out as as a book about the business but I could I kind of couldn't explain the business and why I am so passionate about it without it without going back a bit further mm. and then uh, you know as I went back and back and back and back it got to me (laughs) you know I was like okay you know this is I'm just it needs to kind of be written in this way so um so that people know who I am and why I do what I do Mm. and why it's so important I felt like I kind of needed to touch on parts of lots of different parts of my story including the 
you know, vagina story, which um, I, don't, I can't even believe I put in the book. I can't even believe I wrote about. But, you know, people love that. They're yeah, like, oh they my do. God, that's crazy that you did that. Yeah. yeah. It, it felt crazy at the time, but it was amazing because it really helped me engage with my body and I hadn't done that for so long. I had, yeah. I had been so far apart from my body um, and living in a little bubble up in my head and, and it was just one of the most amazing quickest ways I think to you know kind of just re reconnect with with my own body and yeah. so it really changed me so yeah so there's a lot it's a lot in there a lot in there <laughs> it's it's great um thank you so much for joining me on the show I really appreciate thank you. it um if people People want to purchase the book. It's it's in all major bookstores, isn't it? It's pretty much everywhere, yeah. yeah. Um, Australia. It's, in, mm. it's all through Australia. It's online too. It's on Amazon. Okay. It's ebook. I haven't done an audio book yet because I haven't had time to, to do it. But, um, yeah, I think it's only 10 bucks on ebook on Amazon at the oh, moment. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, go, you know, that. jump on there. Yeah. and um, Or if people go to my Instagram, um, there's a link to, to – online orders and you can oh, buy perfect and your, yeah. your instagram is at chelsea bonner yes okay perfect i'll put that in the show notes um and thanks again for joining me thank you have a great day Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.